What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 74 of the Adult Education Podcast. I'm Jeff St. Pierre, and today we are talking to author Lisa Gardner. I hope you're all doing well. I hope you are staying warm wherever it is that you're listening. And thank you so much for checking out my show, The Adult Education Podcast. I got a message recently from someone asking where the show came from. And really, it's two parts. The first is that I kind of found myself and continue to find myself in a rut in my day job. I felt like my voice has been kind of silenced and I just needed a new creative outlet. So that's where this came from. Also, I love to talk to people and learn new things. So The Adult Education Podcast was birthed out of those things. I speak with people from all walks of life and specialties to learn more about them and what they're best at. I've talked about this before on the show, but I tend to have this crazy imposter syndrome when I'm talking to certain people. I fall into this trap of thinking that the guest is, I don't know, way too cool to be talking to me and what do I really have to offer to their day? I'm working on that, but sometimes it does get in the way of my interviews. And sometimes the guest kind of plays into this. On occasion, I get someone that just clearly doesn't have any interest in being a part of the conversation. That always throws me off. Like no matter what I ask or what we talk about, they're already checked out. They're they're gone. It's hard to come back from that. I've had a lot of interviews that I never posted on the podcast because they were just no good. I have this like mini graveyard folder on my computer of the conversations that will never see the light of day. Anyway, I say all of that because this conversation was none of those things. I had a chance to catch up with author Lisa Gardner. She's the number one New York Times bestselling author of over 20 suspense novels. Today, we're talking about her new book, One Step Too Far. Lisa's one of those people that already has a massive fan base. She doesn't really need to do interviews. Like She could just put the book out and it will do very well on its own. But I appreciate her so much because she doesn't treat the interviews that way. Lisa had such a great energy on our conversation. I think she was engaged, and I truly think this is one of my best conversations yet. I don't know if she'll ever listen to this, but if for some reason you are listening, Lisa, thank you so much for being engaged and taking an active part in this interview. Lisa lives in my home state of New Hampshire, so we had some fun talking about that, but we also cover her love for the outdoors, the new book, One Step Too Far, and some tips for hiking. And before we jump into the conversation, please subscribe to the Adult Education Podcast on whatever platform you're using right now. And if you have a chance, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a rating, and even better, if you can add a few words in a review. Ratings and reviews really help to get the show out in front of new listeners. If you want to follow us on social media, we are on Instagram at Adult Education Podcast. Hi there. Hello. Okay, so it looks like I have audio, visual. Woohoo! I mean, yes. <laughs> all is excellent. All is well. Thank you so much. I, I like. I, I have to think about that before I start every interview. I'm just like, okay, please, everything work together, please. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I totally get what you're saying. <laughs> I think last time we spoke, you were in a different part of the house, which was all windows. And I remember talking about your yes. life. We did not prepare for the windows and the yeah. Zoom calls. Yeah. No, I have my own separate little corner. I do that, but I have to admit. So, as a creative person, I'm into neuroplasticity plasticity it's not a word I could say it's a, I mean so I move all around my house I somewhat think of that also as the key to pandemic survival like you have to think of yourself as being um I don't know traveling yeah but so it's like oh, okay today I'm actually in my mudroom oh today I'm writing in the bedroom today I'm in the family room today I'm in the I don't know what the laundry room <laughs> just 
tried to make the best of it. <laughs> I almost had to pivot today because uh, this interview I scheduled a little bit earlier than I usually do just because I wanted to make sure I had a chance to speak with you. Uh, but my daughter doesn't usually, she's one years old, uh, she doesn't usually go Aww. down for a nap until closer to one. So I was like, okay, how am I going to navigate this conversation with a one-year-old? and make? So I was going to feed her lunch while we spoke and just cross my fingers that she wasn't going to talk oh, during it. I'm totally a mom and I have dogs and this we the dogs might crash it but if your one-year-old crashes it that's all cool i mean that's actually one of the things i've liked about zoom i feel like it's enabled us to do business but also remember we're human yes i i agree with you 100 <laughs> percent. i think it's humanized us in so many different ways that we like, yeah. didn't do before we used to look at those things as super negative like if my daughter would speak during a conversation i'd be like oh my gosh it ruined the whole internet. Yeah. but it doesn't do that it really doesn't people don't mind the lines have gotten blurred, but they've gotten blurred, I think, in a way I hope we keep. Yeah. I, I hope we continue. Because at the end of the day, our professions have always been pretty much from the home. Now, lots of professions are from the home. So I think there's a lot more understanding of <laughs> these lines are fluid. And, yeah. and our families are us. We are our families. I mean, I don't know. But... Uh, we're all human. I, I like it. So don't, don't mind me at all. Or I'm, if your daughter comes, I'm just going to wave a lot and go coochie, coochie, coo. So other than that though. <laughs> How have things been going up in New Hampshire? Awesome. Good. Busy. Uh, people on a pandemic like to hike. Yeah. Yeah. Part of the whole, I am a hiker and part of the whole inspiration for one step too far is hiking. Yeah. And, uh, it's never been more popular. And I will say for myself, I was a hiker for a certain level, but the pandemic pushed, certainly pushed me to the next level. And that got me to into wilderness survival because once you start going off the grid, longer, deeper into the wilderness and like, oh my God, it really is up to us. What the hell's going to happen next? It's, it's been challenging and interesting and, and fun. I think the thing that actually, I mean, uh, pandemic aside, I think the thing that drove me the most crazy at the beginning of the pandemic was that everybody was going outside. So my normal yeah. calm walks with my dogs in a back trail yeah. turned into this nightmare of navigating around all these humans that normally would never be outside. I was like, go back in your homes, leave me alone. <laughs> uh, we would tell you locally, we've never been busier than the past two years. I like any location, local location, that's a love-hate relationship. I will say in general, and I've not seen a lot of articles on this, and I'm waiting for more articles on this, most of our national park system, most of our trailheads are 50, if not 80 years out of date. So you can't even, I mean, if you're not there at ODARC 30, you can't even park sure. a lot of the trailheads here. And it's like the population's grown a little bit since the last time we looked at the national parks <laughs> or state parks, county parks, any kind of level of it. It's like there, there's some change in the pipeline that needs to happen. And in the meantime, the local authorities are just driving, going insane because you have big major roads. You don't want cars piled up on them. Oh yeah. But the six cars that were supposed to do this hiking trail, it's like, yeah, we got more like 36. I mean, it's it's not like you're inter incrementally. 
I grew up in New Hampshire. There's a place not far from where you live, if I'm not mistaken. I, I don't know if it's the official name of it, but it's uh, we used to call it Breeders' Pool. And it was like this little spot you had to park on the side of the road, the main road, and then walk through the woods yeah. a little bit to get to this little you know area where a couple rivers met and created this little pool. And I remember if you didn't get there at a certain time, and this was you know many years ago. This is not now. This is many years ago. But if you didn't get there by a certain time, you know there were people that would stop you from parking because it was just too much. And so I can only imagine, because yeah. up by... It, in that area, that sort of mid-northern New Hampshire area, there's so many things like that where you just kind of pull off and go wander. And I just, I imagine it was crazy. Yeah. There's locals getting tired. There's police departments getting tired. Hopefully we'll figure this out. (laughs) Well, I am going to talk about your book in one second, but I did have another thought. I thought of you. uh, I was watching Netflix right around Christmas and there was a new movie. I want to make sure I get the title right. Uh, Brooke Shields was the star. It was called Castle for Christmas. And have you seen this? Ah. No. Okay. All right. Uh, it, it's, you know, it's exactly what you would expect from a Netflix Christmas movie. But the main character, Brooke Shields, plays a very popular author who has been writing oh. all these books with the same character and the same, you know, sort of theme. And then she did something really horrible to the main character. And all of her fans were so mad at her that she basically, like, went into uh-huh. hiding, essentially. And it got me thinking because you've written multiple series with characters that stick around for a long time. Have you ever run into that problem or do you really consider the fan backlash or reaction to before you do something to that character? This is an excellent question. Um, I'm a series author who's not a series author. So One Step Too Far is the second Frankie Elkin novel, but some people aren't even calling it a series. They're calling it two standalones. And I totally see the logic in that. Because for the record, I mean, 11, 12, I don't even know how many... D.D. Detective D. Warren from Boston Books there are, and she wasn't supposed to be serious at all. She actually started as even a secondary, like, kind of walked on stage character. And then, oh, there's Tessa Leone, a state trooper from Massachusetts, but now there's three books. And then there's Flora Dane, who's a vigilante because she was once a kidnapping victim, but, oh, crap. I don't even know. That's four or five books. It all just kind of keeps happening. (laughs) So uh, um, I want to believe my readers love all of my characters, but I'll be the first to tell you I have such a haphazard approach to all of this. I will say I am a commercial fiction author, which is the characters I love the most are, are hard for me to with but I don't know these are the tricky things for authors I'm really really excited that that Frankie is back for one step too far because I think it's the right book for her I think it's the right mission for her but I never plan any of these things in advance. I can't even tell you what the next book is. What the hell? I mean- <laughs> <laughs> well I do I am I'm glad Frankie came back too and I, I think part of that Um, I like her character in a lot of different ways, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But part of why I like that she came back is because I read the first book. So now I'm sort of invested in her. And and it's not often that I get invested from the start in a series like this. Like if I went back to one of your others, I've I've already missed a few. Now I could go back and read them, but I've already missed a few. So I'd be playing catch up where Frankie, I was in there from the ground floor. Well said. So my favorite thing about Frankie is when you meet a character in a book or a movie, whatever, a lot of times you're meeting that character and that's day one of their life to you, basically. Like essentially their life starts at that character and then you're learning more about them as they move forward. With Frankie, there's so much mystery weaved in about her past 
and you only give just enough that makes me go, well, come on, Lisa, tell me more. Like, I need more about Frankie. <laughs> but there's, there is so much of that history there that it makes her, it makes her a different level of character to me because I know there's so much to her that I don't know about. So one of the things we've had this big, for the past 10 years, it seems like suspense has been dominated by the unreliable narr- narrator which is gone girl, that kind of stuff. It's the the character that's keeping secrets from you. One of the things I think it's interesting about Frankie, and this is not planned. I mean, I'm not good at this crap. I have no idea why the hell I write what I write. (laughs) But Frankie's a mystery to herself. She's never unreliable. She just doesn't always know the answers. I mean, she's an everyday person, but she is a recovering alcoholic and her life is a shit show. I mean, she's very frank about that. I mean, if she stays in one place, if she tries to do one thing, if she tries to have what everything us as a society tells her, this is life and a model of a successful life. Anytime she does that, the rails come off and she drinks again. If she does this crazy thing and one step too far and in the previous novel before she disappeared, she goes from city to city and she invests herself in other people's problems and solves other people's problems. She's okay. So it's even she can't quite figure this out yet. Should she do what people's, what she's supposed to be or she should be who she is, but she is a recovering alcoholic and her recovery means everything to her. And I think that's something that's very compelling and sympathetic about her. So right now she's going with the recovery track. What she does might not make sense to anyone else, but it keeps her from not drinking. And that's what matters the most. But when you get these, I mean, she's very much a person. She's trying to figure out who the hell she is. She's not lying to us. She's not withholding. She doesn't have deep, dark secrets. She's just confused. And I think, well, what the hell are the rest of us? I think we could just relate to that. <laughs> it's funny that it's funny that she can be so confused about herself because I find when she does invest herself in a case and trying to help other people, she's an ultra reliable person to those people, but to herself, yeah. she can't really rely on her own emotions and her own, you know, inhibitions. Like she, she has to focus all of that on other people and then it's hard for her on yeah. herself. What I love about Frankie is she's a recovering alcoholic who has become a cold, a missing persons cold case specialist. She's not a police officer. She's not former military. She's not a private investigator. She's nothing at all. What she really is trying to do, this was somewhat based on real world people I've read about and phenomenons that have come to be, is that She's trying to take her addiction and kind of work with it. I'm an addictive personality. That by definition means I'm obsessive. I make decisions that make no sense to other people. And I I always feel like I'm an outsider, even with the people I love, which someone argues, why not just be an outsider then? I mean, if you always feel like you're an outsider, what does it matter? And so she's taking all of that and she's kind of saying, I want to be sober, but real life and and who I am don't work. But if I take on this cause, if I go to message boards and I read about missing persons, if I go to um, 
read an, an article about this poor woman whose son went missing in the Wyoming wilderness and she's dying of cancer now and she just wants to be buried next to his body, which is the premise for One Step Too Far, that resonates for Frankie. She can take her obsessive personality. She can take the fact that she's an outsider because she doesn't know Wyoming. She doesn't know hiking. She doesn't know these seven people headed in the woods to try to solve or try to find this missing young man's remains. That works for her. And I think there's something authentic about that. I think we're all living these lives where a lot of social media, a lot of things are telling us what life should look like. I think Frankie's kind of telling you, well, I kind of get that message, but that message makes me drink. Hmm. So I'm going to do the life no one says we should want, but it is a life that keeps me sober and it is life that's me. And that's solving other people's problems. That's going from city to city. She doesn't have a long-term job. She doesn't have lasting relationships, but she can find the person you miss the most. That is her talent. That's for sure. And in this latest book, uh, One Step Too Far, you're, she's in the wilderness. And, and outside of the first couple chapters and maybe the last couple chapters, the whole book takes place essentially in one place. And that's that's yeah. not something that you see very often. You know, even the last book was kind of all around Boston, primarily in one particular neighborhood, but all around Boston. Uh, but this one, I, I wonder, is it difficult to write when you know, like, my character is going to be fairly stagnant in this one area for 300 pages of a book. Absolutely. It's easier when your character moves because it gives a sense of movement to the book. But one of the things about Frankie is she's a little bit insular in that she's always in her head. Mm-hmm. So to a certain extent, you could also argue, where does it matter? But the, the fun of this book for me, so, you know, Frankie in, in the previous novel was trying to find the missing minority youth, which is very sad and tragic, but something we kind of know but I'm glad she got involved. One Step Too Far takes on something that's actually closer to my heart, which made this book very interesting to me, which is the 1,600 1600 people that go missing on national public lands, which is like, you know, our national parks. All the volunteers show up in the beginning, but at a certain point, they have to go home. And that leaves for the family involved, your missing kid that wandered away from the campfire, the young man who, for one step too far, it's a bachelor's party weekend, and he's never seen again. Those families, that's awful for them. And, and, and that's what Frankie gets. So she heads into the woods with this very, no one solves these problems. I'm going to solve these problems. But very quickly, and this is very Frankie of you, yeah, she's not a hiker. She's not a camper. She has no idea where she is. She has no idea what she's doing. And it breaks it all down to personal relationships. The truth of survival for her in this very remote, very treacherous, very dangerous wilderness situation will be how well does she understand the people around her? And in that perspective, there was a lot of movement. She's kind of going from person to person to person, understanding them. So it was a very interesting novel. It's not geographic location. It, it's it's the closed room mystery, like the Commonwealth's the stage set. Sure. Again, here's our defined audience, and she's working her way through so that she can understand, you know, the you know, the angry father, the guilt-written broomsman. I mean, just working her way through. If she can solve this riddle of them and their emotions and the fact that clearly this isn't really a recovery trip. Mm-hmm. I mean, <laughs> there's a lot more going on. Yeah. 
that will be the key to survival. <laughs> when we spoke last year about before she disappeared, we talked a little bit about your prep work before you write a book. And you were talking about yeah. going to Boston and taking a look in these neighborhoods and really getting a feel for what they're all about. So with this one taking place in Wyoming in the wilderness, what was the prep work like for this book? This book got more complicated, Jeff, because of COVID. I mean, the story of all of our lives, sure. right? The good news is I am an avid hiker. I live in the mountain, mountains of New Hampshire. I hike all the time. So some of the backwoods the, and, and the um, psychology of it, that, that feeling of both remoteness and euphoria. Like if something goes wrong right now, there's no one I can call. And that's most the terrifying thing I've had and the most empowering thought I've had because that's somewhat to me what time and nature is about. But I couldn't go specifically to Wyoming to do the kind of research I normally would. On the other hand, I'm also from the West Coast. Hmm. So I've done Western, the Western half of the United States hiking. And it did all come together, I like to think very positively. They'll be the first to tell you I, I have on my travel plans because I'd love to travel. I'm desperate to go back to Wyoming and do some of these hikes because I got to spend so much time both mentally immersed in that world and reading about that world. And everyone should be hiking in Wyoming, though not necessarily one step too far. Yeah, yeah, right. That let's let's leave that in place. I've been to Wyoming. I went to Wyoming once. I did a uh, did a half marathon in Grand Teton National Park, and I wished that I had more time out there while I was there. Like I felt like everything was kind of surrounding the race, which was the point of my trip. But after being there for a day, I was like, oh my gosh, there's so much here that I need to experience. And I don't have enough time to you know, do it. <laughs> one of the things I love about location when it's not just like a geography, it's a psychology. Mm. And I do think when you start moving around the U.S. It's very much true. There's a mindset to this. There's a mindset to that. There's an experience living here. And my goal with One Step Too Far was, you know, there's a lot of promise to Wyoming. There's a lot of, these are grand open spaces. And Tim O'Day, the missing young man and his groomsmen set out with all of the, this is awesome. This is fun. This is grand. And then, well, without the right prep work, this can also come back to be very interesting. Or tragic. <laughs> now, I know you have a lot of experience. Did you recruit anybody else to help you with piecing this together? Well, so I have hiking partners, but as during the pandemic, like a lot of people in the U.S., we not only were hiking more, but we we're hiking to more out-of-the-range places. Sure. So we finally decided for our own peace of mind that we should take some survival courses. And I have to admit, they involved a lot of fire and knives. And... um if you're a thriller writer and you spend, you know, days playing with fire and knives, there's no way there's not a novel. <laughs> but I, I'm still psych psychologically motivated. Like Frankie will tell you the fire and knives are not her sweet spot. That's where she's uncomfortable. But this whole, there's something very empowering or very just um, simplifying about, you know, in one step too far, eight people go in the woods bad things happen. No one's coming. Whatever happens next is up to them. It is going to be on you and your, the remainder of your group. And at a certain point that becomes very clarifying, you know, if I'm actually going to live through this, if I'm going to be safe, if you're going to be safe, if any of us are going to be safe, it's on us. And that psychology, I both love and I find fascinating. And for Frankie, it's kind of, she sets off 
to search for a lost hiker with a group that she pretty quickly realizes is not a group. But at a certain point, if they're going to survive, they better become a group. So the cotton balls and Vaseline, that was something I'd never heard of before. Is that legit? Yeah, no, no, that's totally from survival. So what I did also is survival training versus bushcraft is okay. these are the things you should just have on you. And I've been an avid hiker most of my life. And one of the things I love when you go to do these advanced training things is the stuff that not only you ne- you've never thought of, but they're almost too simple, but too cool. So our, our instructor, you know, uh, cotton balls uh, soaked or wiped in Vaseline, are a great fire starter. But one of the things he made a big deal about and Frankie gets to learn about and one step too far is what you have in your pack versus what you have on your person because you and your pack can be separated. So like he could not get over the importance of having a butane lighter, a flick your bake, a 99 cent lighter. I'm not a smoker. I don't come from smokers. I have no such thing. And he's like, it's not only should you have it hiking, you should have it in your pocket, sure, not in your pack. You should always have an access to light, headlamp, flashlight, whatever. And they make these very, very cute, adorable little flashlights and a butane lighter. He's like, with, and with these kinds of things, you can last way longer than you think in the woods. And some of that, for all of the hiking and everything I've done, and I love bringing this to fiction and to Frankie and to One Step Too Far is, oh, you know, a 99 cent lighter can be the difference between life and death. I mean, that's kind of cool and kind of puzzling and kind of like, what the hell, but let's do it. (laughs) Funny, one step too far, not only a very entertaining novel, but also educational at the same time. (laughs) I think I certainly learned a lot researching it and I hope I did. And the, the rule of threes to me was fascinating. Yeah, really great book. And normally I stay away from uh, talking about movie or TV adaptations of books, but I did read that there's one for Before She Disappeared in the works, and Hilary Swank uh, is kind of tied into Frankie. And I, in thinking about it, it's not the first person I would have picked, but now that I see her name attached to it, it's the only person I can imagine playing that role. Because there's, I, I picture Frankie with, I, I picture her as a beautiful woman, but there's some grit to her, and there's some hardness to her. Yeah. And I feel like Hilary Swank can play that role so well. Like, there's a beauty to Hillary, but you also know her from other movies where you can see there's that toughness and that grit to her as well. Yeah, and Frankie's meant to be any of us. Yeah. Um, she's not physically gifted. I mean, again, she's not kick-ass. She does no martial arts. She's not going to break into kung fu in the middle of anything. Um, her superpowers are she's a really good listener, and she's generally empathetic because her own past She's a recovering alcoholic. She's done a million and a half mistakes. Her father was an alcoholic. She lived a million and a half mistakes, but she'll still tell you she loved her father. She loved her mom, but yeah. I mean, life is really complicated. Frankie is that person, Her she lives in those shades of gray. So she's not passing judgment. When I met with Hillary Swank, and I'll be honest, <laughs> I got to have like Zoom with her nice. and it is the highlight of my career. And <laughs> and, and, and I didn't shower afterwards because I wanted to preserve the moment. But <laughs> I think Hillary, one of Hillary Swank's strengths as she comes across as every day versus the, the glamorous you are a movie star. And, and Frankie's not, her, her whole, I think, likability and the reason she's 
so well received by readers. And I mean, One Step Too Far, I think just got its fourth star review was she's approachable. She's us. And she's just doing the best she can. Life is messy. She doesn't know how to lead a traditional life. So what the hell? She's hiking into the wilds of Wyoming, but holy shit, this was not what she planned either. (laughs) She's adapting. She's learning. She's listening. And she likes people. This poor group, this poor wounded party of souls walking into this mountain with this father who just wants a son and is so totally, completely enraged. And then there's the sons of the missing hiker, the the best friends, who are totally, completely guilt-stricken. And Frankie kind of like, oh, I don't know how to hike. I don't know how to camp. I don't know how to make fire from bustling good cotton balls. But this needs to be figured out. And particularly as things start going wrong or we're all dead. That's kind of her thing. (laughs) Well, I know I only have you for a couple more minutes. I have to admit a secret. Um, When I do these conversations, even though I've read your book and I'm very familiar with the character, I I still go through like moments where I'm talking to you and I just kind of blank out like, wait, what's the name of the book? What's it? But you have them (laughs) placed so nicely behind you that every time I have that blank moment, I go one step too far. There it is. It's right behind Lisa. Okay, perfect. Thank you. So thank you for that placement. And it's with my grandmother's typewriter, I will have you know. That that is is my grandmother's 1950s typewriter. When she passed away, that was the one thing I wanted my father got for me. He used to write his school reports on it. And I love that. I love those moments with history. Are we going to see Frankie again? Million dollar question. I don't see how we can't. Yeah. But again, I don't plan ahead. So (laughs) I am like the dysfunctional writer. (laughs) Everyone else out there like, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm like. (laughs) There's so many real world examples of the cases that fall through the cracks. Yeah. I mean, it's kind of become staggering to me, the number of missing out there no one's even looking for. And I mean, in the real world. Yeah. And every time I read those cases, I'm like, all right, Frankie has more work to do. Yeah. So I think that's what fiction is to a lot of us, what suspense is a lot of us. It enables us to get the action and for a brief moment in time, a sense of resolution and closure that you're not going to get in real world. You can get it two in the morning when you finish your favorite (laughs) suspense novel. And you know, we take what we can get. <laughs> well, I appreciate that attitude, and I hope that we do see Frankie again. Lisa, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, especially one of my fellow New Hampshireans. Um, yeah. Is there a place that people can go to find out more info about you or a centralized location where you kind of do everything? Yeah, so absolutely. On social media, across pretty much any platform, you can find at Lisa Gardner BKS, which stands for books. And then I do have a website site, lisagardner.com. Well, a pleasure as always, Lisa. Thank you so much for the great work and hopefully we'll talk again soon. Thank you very much, Jeff. Take care. Thank you so much to Lisa Gardner for her time today. Really enjoyed the latest Frankie Elkin novel, One Step Too Far. I do think this one kind of stands on its own, but her last book, the first Frankie Elkin novel, was called Before She Disappeared. Also a great read. I think you'd enjoy both of them. And thank you to all of you for listening today. I appreciate you sharing some of your day with me. Until next time, be well.